0: come a long way in the care and treatment of people living with HIV. The fact remains that there's still a sense of urgency when it comes to knowing your status. I'm Brandy Edwards and this is In Good Health. Now according to HIV.gov approximately 1.2 million people are living with HIV today and one in seven or 14 percent don't even know they have it. June 26th marked the observance of National HIV Testing Day across the country, but the truth is we can't wait for next year's HIV testing day. We all need to know our status right now. So check out the question and answer excerpts from a recent virtual conversation about HIV facts and why it's so important to know your status.
1: Where can a patient get care for HIV? Uh, start with your primary care doctor. Mm-hmm. Many, many of primary care doctors like myself and Dr. Simmons, we manage HIV in our offices. We can get referrals to uh, ID specialists. We can get referrals to uh, HIV management programs. We can help coordinate finding where to go. So if you don't, if you don't have anything else, call Rain. Uh, in Charlotte, they can get you connected. The health department can help get you connected. Your primary care doctor can help get you connected.
2: Can you tell us what does U equal U mean? Sure, so um, actually
3: Dr. Brown alluded to um, the the term U equals U when he talked about the amount of virus in somebody's blood and the um, intent or the goal of medication or treatment for somebody who is living with HIV. So the goal, the medication goal is to get the virus suppressed to um, not replicate or to what we call undetectable, which is the first you. And once somebody becomes undetectable, we know that that equals untransmittable. So um, when they engage in uh, sexual intercourse with another person who may not be living with HIV, the likelihood of transmission
2: is um, virtually zero. Um, Mr. Edwards-Knight, can you answer the next question for us? Family planning for HIV for positive individuals, what does that look like?
4: Okay, so for individuals who are HIV positive, um, as we've talked about treatment for HIV, but for individuals who are HIV positive, there's a number of places you can go to get um, case management services for those individuals who are positive, Um, those services we offer at Mecklenburg County Public Health, we offer at our other community agencies like Rain, um, and I, and I know I'm missing some of the others at Quality Home Care Services, and there's other agencies around Charlotte where an individual can go to receive, um, service. When we're talking about, um, family planning and HIV, there's no reason whatsoever, um, that an individual who's HIV positive can't have a family. Um, We've talked uh, um, about uh, what what, what we haven't talked about, but one of the things that we will talk about later will be PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis, um, and and an individual who's not being positive being able to take that um, um, medication. And if someone is as Chelsea just mentioned, if they're undetectable, then they're not gonna be transmitting um, the HIV to their sexual partner. So there's definitely ways that individuals can still have families and still be HIV positive. Um, so that's one of the things, just don't want people to ever think that if they're HIV positive, um, that they, they can't have um, a family.
2: Okay, so since you were so nice as to bring up the next question, I'm just going to let you expand a little on PrEP. What is it, and who should take it?
4: Okay, PrEP is pre-exposure prophylaxis, um, and PrEP is a pill um, Truvada and Descovy. Truvada is the one that most people are are aware of, Um, and that's an appeal that an individual who's HIV negative can take, who Um, that will prevent them from contracting HIV from someone who has it. Um, And it's a one pill, one a day. It's not a pill that you take like just before having sex. You need to get an amount of it in your system. Um, And doctors correct me if I'm wrong on this, um, but for anal sex, you need to have it in your system for 11 days um, and and for vaginal sex, 21 days to get enough of it in your system, and it's a pill you need to take every day. It's, again, it's not a one day, not, not a one a day pill, and it's not a pill you have to take for the rest of your life. Um, I call it a seasonal pill. An individual would take that pill at a time if they're sexually active and they are deciding for whatever reasons. They're not gonna be using condoms at that time, or they're not gonna be having um, sex with, they're limiting their number of sex partners. Um, that may be a time where you know they may not need to take it, but it's not, again, one of those that you take one time and you're done with it.
2: I would like to know, are HIV patients more at risk to contracting COVID-19?
1: Currently, if they're HIV positive and asymptomatic, meaning uh, their viral, their their immune system is still functioning well, right now they're not viewed as any more increased risk for getting it. And even if you have AIDS, you're not any more risk for getting it. But if you have AIDS, you're at more risk for complications from it. But if you are uh, well controlled, well managed, and your undetectable viral load with a healthy immune system, we call that the CD4 count cal- healthy, then uh, you're not at any more higher risk for uh, complications.
2: So Dr. Brown, can you contract COVID-19 through sexual activity?
1: Uh, no, it is a respiratory droplets. So it is uh, conversationally uh, contracted, not through sex. Okay. If you're, if you're having sex, you are that close to someone. They are breathing <laughs> on your face. They sure so, are. So, so you're getting it during the sex, but it's not considered sexually transmitted. you get it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Unless you're having really funky something different. Yes. So. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. And therefore, we lighten the mood.
2: Now, um, I think I'm gonna circle back to Miss Golden. Okay, Miss Golden. What are your recommendations for someone who is HIV positive on how to live a healthy lifestyle from day to day? What should they be doing?
3: So I think that is um, somewhat of a difficult question because I think each person
2: identifies or has
3: their own goals for what healthy looks like. So what we try to do when we meet with someone is figure out where they are and what's a realistic goal for them to move to a healthier place. So I don't think that we're going to get somebody that comes in and um, we, about half of our programs are geared towards individuals under the age of 24. So we're not going to get a 21 year old to come in who is um, drinking every day, smoking every day and not exercising at all and eating all fast food to become a marathon runner and abstain from all substances overnight. Um, So I think that it's, it's really important to individualize care and to look at, at what works for, for them and, and what their thresholds are.
2: <laughs> Mr. Edwards, now I have a question for you. So can you tell us the difference between taking an HIV test at home and going to a clinic to take one?
4: The, one of the big differences is that when you come into the at home, it's probably gonna be a swab or, or a finger stick. When you come into the clinic to get a test, is gonna be a blood draw. So you're gonna be getting a confirmatory test when you come into the clinic. Um, and also the difference in some of the tests is what we it is the window period. And the window period of the test is, is from the time that you think you may have been at risk until the time it will show up on the test. Um is what we call the window period. So the window period are different for different tests. Um, so most likely um, the home tests and some of them may be different, but there's different window periods. So you definitely want to read the instructions because they could be as much as a three-month period um, for those tests. Um, and depends on um, where you get you come into the clinic at the health department, for example. Um, and the time period is more like a month.
2: Okay.
4: Um, so there's a different time period, a window periods um, based on the test, and then the way the test is administered is different.
2: So can you tell us if there's free testing in the Greater Charlotte area and where that is?
4: Yes, there is free testing in a number of places all, o- all over Charlotte. Um, one of the places that you can go to find out where... Uh, the health department free locations are, you can come to either of our two health department locations at any time, um, Monday through Friday. Um, Well, I shouldn't say any time, any time doing open clinic hours, Monday through Friday at the health department. And those, all of our testing are free and it doesn't require an appointment. You can also go to mechhealth.org forward slash STD testing and it will pull up a site that will show you um, the free um, testing sites um, that the health department involved in, Um, and you can also Google um, (laughs) HIV testing sites and it will give you the testing sites in Charlotte.
2: Right. Okay, thank you very much. Um, I would like to toss the last question to Ms. Golden. Please comment on the still existing stigma surrounding HIV in 2020 and tell us a little bit about that.
3: So I don't think that we will see, I think stigma is is an unfortunate impact of how we labeled HIV from the very beginning. Um, When we first discovered HIV in the early 80s, we... um, it as only for certain types of people. Um it is tied directly as a sexual, um, tra- sexually transmitted disease. And sex is something that we don't find easy to talk about um in this country among any populations. But uh particularly when we talk about the communities that are still most negatively impacted or have the biggest disparities, uh, which is are women of color, women in general and um uh, men who have sex with men, we're talking about, uh, women and sex positivity or embracing their sexual health and or their sexual choices, um, is, is still very taboo and stigmatized, um, for women, especially in the South and in communities of color. And then you have, um, gay men or men who have sex with men, which kind of encompasses a larger amount, um, of individuals, and that is still also very stigmatized and um, carries a, a lot of discrimination, and there's a lot of work to be done in, in all of those areas. Somebody once told me that HIV is like the center of um, the vortex of all social justice issues, and the longer I stay in this field, I find that to be very true.
2: Can you expand a little bit on that? So
3: uh, you have... HIV negatively impacting um, through race, sexual orientation, gender, through um, sex work, or people that engage in sex work, people that uh, have mental health, people that have substance abuse um, issues. So basically, any stigmatized or area of um, the community that has negative. Has, has, that people either criminalize or give a negative spin to in, in one form or another or have history of oppression are negative, are more
2: impacted by HIV. Okay, thank you very much. I wanted to give you an opportunity to expand on that because I was interested in your comment. Um, thank you. Okay, so I'm just going to toss this to anyone who wants to answer. How do parents talk to kids about the risk of HIV?
5: Well, as a family physician, when I'm caring for uh, my adolescent population or even pre-adolescent uh, patient population, when I'm in the room with the parents, I really encourage and ask: Are they even having the conversations that are very important? Like their children are growing up, their little baby, or their you know will become an adult, and they will have a sexual desire, sexual urge, they will have a sexual life. So I really encourage that there's that open line of communication. So as the physician, I say, what questions do you have for me regarding Mm -hmm. um, the sexual education, puberty, how to have the conversation with your child? Um, And then I asked them, I said, have you spoken to your child? Like, what are the expectations surrounding sex um, from a family standpoint? Because we do realize that parents have different expectations. Some say, I don't want my children having sex until they're married. Some parents say, I want my I don't want my child having sex until they are in love. So there's different areas of expectations. And sometimes parents have not said anything. They just assume that their child knows what they should or should not be doing or when they should be engaging in sexual activity. Um, But I also say, you know, regardless of what the parent's expectations are uh, surrounding sexual activity, my goal as a physician is that that child is healthy in whatever they engage in and whenever they engage in sex. So that means, even though a parent may say, I don't want my child having sex till marriage, guess what? Not every, adolescent, not every teenager, not every 20-something-year-old waits until they're married before their first sexual activity. So I want that patient to be well-educated and knowing that they need to use condoms, that they know what PrEP is and what their risks are for HIV.
2: Okay, thank you very much. Why does HIV affect affect Black gay males more? And does it? Does it affect Black gay males more often, and,
5: and if so, why? Well, when um, you talk about the stigma about men who have sex with men um, and so the fact that individuals may not identify as gay, one, so gay has to be someone that they actually have to identify as because there are some black men who do not identify as gay, but their sexual behavior is that they have sex with men on occasion and they still feel that they are heterosexual and because of that stigma they don't talk about the fact that they've Mm -hmm. been having sex with men or that they desire to have sex with men at any level Um, and then that also leads to sometimes riskier behavior because maybe that individual in their heterosexual normative experiences they normally don't use condoms And so then they'll say, oh, well, condoms are desensitizing. They don't feel as good. So then therefore, they also take that same type of behavior of not using condoms with their straight partner um, and use that same type of behavior with someone who is of the same gender. And I think Uh Dr. Brown had his hand up to respond.
1: I should say, in addition, in the uh, Latina community, often it's viewed as the you're gay only if you are the anal receptive partner. If you are the anal insertive partner, you don't identify as gay, you still identify as straight, and they don't identify that that type of, being that partner in the sex, is putting them at increased risk. So one, they don't use a label of being gay, and number two, they don't label that behavior as risky for uh, HIV transmission.
2: Um, the question is being asked, are any of the in-home tests any good? And I would like to ask either Dr. Brown or Dr. Simmons that question. Uh,
1: the tests are good. They're good technology. But as Jeffrey says, uh, they are testing just for the antibody. And that antibody may take up to one to three months to develop after you have become HIV positive. So a negative test from an uh, at-home test does not completely rule out that you are HIV positive. So there is a window of being positive that test might miss. The other concern that we that providers have about the home HIV test is a counseling does not occur with it. So we wanna do counseling with you before we draw the HIV test to get you prepared for what, how you're gonna respond if your test is positive or negative and make sure that you're good good support If the test becomes positive, so if you think you need to have the test to do the kit at home, I'm glad it's available. You might not have access to physicians or whatever situation, but it's not ideal. It's missing a lot of things, and so a negative one just means that as of a few months ago, you were negative. But any acute behavior in the last month, you could still be infected, and so we want to make sure you're getting proper testing and proper counseling.
2: Okay, I, thank you. I would like to toss the next question to Ms. Golden or Mr. Edwards Knight. Can you please speak about the HIV rates in Mecklenburg County versus other counties in North Carolina?
4: I don't have specific numbers, I'm sorry, but I, the, the county, the rates in Mecklenburg County are higher than any other of the 100 counties in North Carolina.
2: Okay, does anybody else have any input on that? Does anybody want to respond about that? Uh, i'd like um I'd like
3: to add that mecklenburg county is is part of a six county region where the rates of h i v are higher um and and therefore per capita and therefore it has been deemed federally as like a for lack of a better term like a hot zone um and so we do get additional funding because those rates are high. Uh, Mecklenburg County specifically has taken a step further and um, approved a program that allows people living in Mecklenburg County that fall under a certain income threshold to access PrEP and uh, for free. So the medication is free, the doctor's visits are free, and the lab work is free. Uh, and you can uh, access that program by calling the health department or RAIN, and either one of the two organizations can help navigate somebody into that program
4: okay and also just to add to how how they can also access that information for um the free prep services Um, those sites that the county sponsor are again on a website mechhealth.org forward slash prep
5: Chelsea, can um, you touch a little bit on uh, some of the the cost um, surrounding um, medications for HIV? And the, I think you talked about the free prep that you mentioned, uh, Jeff. Yeah, the cost around. Uh, I'm sorry, did you say HIV medications? So yeah. prep.
3: Yeah. So and I, Dr. Brown was talking earlier about where somebody can access. Um, services if they're living with HIV and how do they get the treatment. And I think it's important to note that um, the other special thing other than being able to access programs as somebody who is undocumented about Ryan White is that it also provides support services. So it provides transportation, there are funds for case management um, and that those these funds are all free for somebody who's living with HIV similarly, there are prep navigation services um, to kind of coincide with the county program to provide the medical piece of prep for free. Um, Rain has a prep navigator that can help with the transportation costs um, food uh, food um, and any other kind of barriers to accessing and staying on prep from a medical standpoint, uh, Rain can provide the support services. Being living with HIV or being someone who has identified that um, they desire and/or have a need to be on prep, uh, they can access for free the support services as well as the medical care.
0: Take the next questions, Mr.
2: Edwards Knight. I would like to ask whether or not there are any tools or resources available for individuals with HIV to talk to their partner about their sexual status. So the funny thing is I play
3: a game when I go out and I talk about HIV um, to big groups. I play a game that I I ask everybody to stand up and I say pretend that you are back on the dating scene or on the dating scene and think about your fifth date with someone. And think about have you asked them about um, if they have any brothers or sisters, what is their job, Um, what are some of the places that they've traveled or places uh, that they would like to travel. You know, we talk about all of these things with such ease. And then when it comes down to have you been tested for HIV or um, even around. Like sexual desires and of what positions you prefer, it's like we have an in, in an inability to have these open and candid discussions. Um, and I'm sure, Jacqueline, as, as a therapist, you may see some of this if you do couple counseling. Um, that even after years of being with someone, you still have problems trying to say you know, you do that all the time and I don't really like it um, because it, it comes down to a sexual act and people are just that uncomfortable about talking about sex. So that just fuels um, the problems that we see with HIV. Have people been tested? They don't know. Um, they don't want to talk about it. Has their partner been tested? They don't really want to talk about it because then it makes it real and then they have to deal with it. Um, so we see people that are in relationships where one is positive and the other is unknown and doesn't know that the one is positive because it is that uncomfortable. Um, Thankfully, now we have tools like undetectable equals untransmittable. Um, And I would like to, because oftentimes when I give an example like that, I get a follow-up question, which is, Well, can't you be arrested for having sex with someone without telling them that you're positive? And the answer for North Carolina is no, you cannot as long as you've been undetectable for longer than six months because you pose no risk to your negative partner. So if you are living with HIV and you are on effective treatment, undetectable for longer than six months, you do not need to legally disclose your status to your partner. I always encourage people to. Disclose because I think it makes for a healthier relationship, but it just goes to show how difficult these conversations are and can be. And so I, I like to try to always um, empower groups that I talk to, as well as individuals that I talk to to have these conversations.
2: Moving right along, uh, I need someone to comment a little bit more on COVID-19 and HIV and the correlation um, with that.
5: In additional specifics. So I will try to, because we, I think Dr. Brown did an excellent recap mm-hmm. of the risk for someone who is HIV positive um, and just kind of re- reiterating the fact that if you are on your medications as prescribed, following the regimen that is set up by your provider and that you're doing your regular follow-ups, your blood testing, and it affirms that your immune system is strong. Your immune system is equivalent to someone who is HIV negative, per se. The strength of the immune system, just because you have HIV, does not mean you're at an increased risk for COVID-19, and it does not mean that you're gonna have severe complications of COVID-19, compared to someone who is HIV negative. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to correlate the two unless you're talking about someone who actually has AIDS, a very significantly depressed immune system. So therefore, if they do contract COVID-19, yes, there are going to have some of the complications um, and could have really bad complications. Unfortunate death could occur. But someone who is HIV positive with a strong immune system could also have A extremely negative outcome because of COVID-19, or they could not. They could have mild symptoms, recover, and do just fine. Okay, thank you very much.
2: Um, I wanna toss the next question to Chelsea. Chelsea, can you talk a little bit about the correlation between mental health, substance abuse, homelessness, and the potential for HIV?
3: So let me just start by saying how I I firmly believe and um, brain believes that housing is healthcare. So if somebody is housed, they're much more likely to, um, engage in, uh, healthy, not only healthy living, healthy lifestyle, but also uh, be an active participant with their healthcare team. Um, so if if you don't know where you're going to lay your head that night, it's, it's very difficult to, um, worry about a two o'clock appointment with a 15 minute grace period. Um. So um, I think that is fairly self-explanatory. Back when I first started, which will tell you how long ago, the medicines weren't as good, and you actually needed to refrigerate one of them. Um, So that was another tie-in. They've gotten much better, and that is not the case anymore. Um, Mental health and substance abuse. We often um, sit together as a team. We have an interdisciplinary team that um, and we talk about is it's the chicken and the egg effect. Um, so obviously, the rates of um, people that have substance abuse and or are living with mental illness are higher in people living, uh, living with HIV, but also we see people who once diagnosed then try to cope with their diagnosis through substance use or they become depressed or anxious after a diagnosis. So I think it can happen either way. Um, I also think that this is a really important reason for testing with someone with a professional versus at home, because a lot of times if you sit and you stew and you don't have the information that you can live a long, healthy life and, you know, die at the ripe old age of 99, just like somebody who is not living with HIV. Um, if you don't have somebody to tell you that and to connect you with services, connect you with a therapist, connect you immediately into medical care, um, because you got the diagnosis at home, uh, that can be really difficult and it can be really difficult to then reach out after the fact.
2: Um, I think the next question is just directed towards anyone who might know the answer. Where can someone get tested for HIV outside of the Charlotte area?
5: So of course you can come to any medical practice out here in Monroe. Um, Granted that tests probably would not be for free. (laughs) Um, uh, Especially if you come to a medical practice, uh, we do have the Union County Health Department, and there is a case management uh, service out here in Monroe that, I um, can't remember the organization's name off the top of my head, I feel bad, but there is an organization here, but you also can get that information at the Union County Health Department.
2: Okay. Thank I, you very much. I will also say that
3: I think if you call one of the community-based organizations other than the health department that does testing, if it's a one, if it's one person and they are really concerned, a lot of times we will send somebody out to meet them, and we do cover Monroe, um, but we don't just have like pop-up testing clinics in Monroe, not us personally.
2: Okay, thank you very much for that information. That really ends the question and answer portion of this panel discussion.
0: to One Charlotte Health Alliance for presenting this important conversation. And thanks to the clinical and public health contributors for giving us the facts and reminding us that knowing your status is the only way to know how to manage your health appropriately. They had great insight as well in addressing our most current public health crisis, coronavirus, and how this could affect one's susceptibility to contract or maintain successful treatment of HIV. As of the airing of this episode, we are more than 350 days away from the next National HIV Testing Day. Are you prepared to wait 350 days, not knowing whether or not you are infected? We're glad you joined us on In Good Health today and hope you continue to listen to all of the Novant Health podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode. You can catch us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or really anywhere you choose to listen. Thanks again. And this is Brandy Edwards signing off.